2: Welcome, you're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown. Uh, Today, I am solo as a host, but I've got two special uh, co-guests here. Uh, So we have a special, uh, you know what, I'm reading this and I'm trying it again. All right, our phone number, let's start off with this. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for our five-pack tanning certificate given away during this show. That certificate's not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon, with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin, and uh, that certificate's actually worth $100, so that's pretty good. And our today's trivia theme is TV trivia. Um, so we're going to get right into this. Now, we have two special guests, Charlie Dobbins and Jillian Sidoti?
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, I pronounced I it correctly.
2: Know. All right, now let me. I'm going to give you guys, uh, the audience, a little bit of background here. Uh, So Jillian is an attorney, speaker, and former college professor. She's written equity and debt offerings uh, for all kinds of industries. Uh, Her client lists include uh, Flip This House and Flip or Flop, very well known on TV. Uh, She's also the author of Crowdfunding, uh, Myth Debunking the Myths Surrounding Crowdfunding, and Charlie is a multifamily investor, attorney, and mentor to family investors all around the country. And in uh, 2020, they, uh, they teamed up to launch the Multifamily War Room. So uh, let me get right into that. What is the Multifamily War Room?
1: Well, what happened was Jillian and I uh, have been friends for years and uh, I have been teaching and uh, training uh, multifamily investors for that time. And, you know, what? It ha- the way it would work was with my entity, which was Multifamily Investing Academy, I would handle the transactional side of the deal okay. and I would bring them up to a certain point and then I would hand them off to Jillian. You know, when it came okay. to the time to raise the private money. I didn't get involved in that. I made sure that the, my, my clients, my students were protected during the transaction from soup to nuts. Gotcha. Okay. Passed it off to Jillian. And so after you know, Jillian and I were talking and she was seeing how fabulously successful I was with my, uh, with my program, I, she said, how can we work together? And, and that's when I said, you know what? The thing that this industry needs is more of a holistic approach towards building your multifamily portfolio. And that is someone that can, some entity that can handle both the transactional side, as well as the raising the private money side. You, it's a one-stop shop. And that's when we came up with, with the war room. And I'll tell you, it's been, it's a been a blast. It's been fantastic. The clients are, are absolutely loving it. And it's uh, it's a, it's really, as I said, Jillian, this is the best thing. The okay. Business.
2: So Ch- Charlie, do, do you find the deals and do the due diligence and then Jillian raises the money for them? Well, no. So what happens is we, we assist our clients. And
1: one of the things that we do differently now that we started the war room is Jillian and I will invest with our clients in their deals. But, what my job is that my clients go out and find the deals and I help them through the entire transaction, I help them through the entire process. Uh, I look over their shoulders, no piece of paper leaves their office unless I've looked at it. Okay. And then uh, after that, um, are you guys getting this or am I-
2: No, yeah, no, no. I, even though you're freezing a little bit on the video, we can, yeah. we can hear you. And the thing is, is what's good is both of you are attorneys. So that helps. They don't, but, don't- yeah. See me, I've had six years of high school. That yeah, won't be no, I- Okay. <laughs> Go ahead.
1: No, exactly.
2: So, so, um, okay. So the clients find the deals and then they bring it to you and what you help them structure it, you do what else do you do with them? Yeah, but it's more
3: more than that because it's not just about finding the deals. We also teach them how to find the deals. Like a huge problem people are having right now is they can't find deals or they find a deal and they don't know if it's a good one or not and they don't know if it's a good one or not because look, we are in you know, unprecedented times. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. Charlie and I were just looking at a rent roll the other day that was uh, for for a two hundred and twenty unit property, fifty percent of the units in the two hundred and twenty unit property had not paid rent, had some kind of balance. And fifty percent of those, so twenty five percent of the building, had over a ten thousand dollar balance.
2: Wow. That's all because crazy. All, all because of COVID. Covid, yep. yeah, COVID. Now the, and, and these are all multifamily. Is that your yeah. specialty, multifamily? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, which was the darling for many years, and then suddenly well, COVID hit, and it's like, yeah, it's a little challenging in cases case. Oh, actually, and it still is the darling because the demand
1: for our product is still strong. Everybody
2: needs pl- a place to live,
1: right? And mm-hmm. and that's getting you know the, the barriers to entry in this industry are are strong because of the government, yeah. and. And so you know the demand for our product remains strong. Obviously, COVID's an issue. COVID's going to weed out those undercapitalized uh, multifamily businesses, and it's going to provide opportunities for new investors to come in and take over those assets. And, like
2: back in two thousand. Yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to guess that the lower end type is easier for someone to qualify, saying, "Hey, COVID, you know, I don't have to pay because of COVID." Whereas yeah. someone who's in the higher end type of multifamily, you know, big. Expensive apartments, you know, where they ordinarily work from home, you don't just give, they can't just yell COVID and suddenly stop paying, right?
1: Well, they the thing is, when, like you said, the C class assets are yeah. the ones that we're really starting to see the delinquencies on. I've already seen a couple of my um, people have come to me and said, "Hey, I think I am going to lose my property. What can you? How can you help me?" Yeah, and there is it, it. You know, it's 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 happening. We're beginning to see that that flood start to happen.
2: Okay, and this, then this is where I I kind of this is a little knee in my craw here is rather than just give people a bunch of stimulus money. Why don't they, the government, pay the rent for, right? Because you can't just give people money and then they go buy cigarettes with it. Let's say versus, you know, the landlord getting his rent because now the landlord doesn't, you know, is is in trouble. It's not to me. It's not fair to hit the landlord. So
3: you're no, you're not you're so right. And and I had a client the other day on Facebook put an email out, and we'll talk about that after. Uh...
2: Exactly. We do have to think about it. Very good. You took the cue right there. And by the way, I go by Edward, not Ed. Okay. Here we
1: Wait, go. Hold on. Can I say one thing? I want to tell you the reason why they don't give the, the uh, money to the landlord, but they give it to the, the tenants, is because when they give the money to the landlord, they get one Republican vote. When they give it to the, the tenants, they get 200 Democratic votes.
2: That's a, that's a very good point. Okay. Here is our uh, first trivia question. And if you guys know the answer, don't answer until we get by from break oh, all right cool. uh tv trivia who portrayed the care this one's kind of a hard one who portrayed the character of charlie harper after charlie sheen was fired from two and a half men all right call <laughs> know. Eight- and this one said no it's- it may not be that easy okay <laughs> call 888-912-1190 the first caller with the correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate stay with us you are listening to the best of investing and we are going to be right back
0: For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. Now, back to the best of investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer.
2: Welcome back to the best of investing again. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with my two special co-hosts, Jillian Sidoki and Charlie Dobbins. Oh, I got that right. Okay, here we go. Here's here's our first trivia question: Who portrayed the character of Charlie Harper after Charlie Sheen was fired from Two and a Half Men? Jillian, you got all excited. You thought you knew the answer.
3: I'm I, now. I'm all doubting myself. I maybe I don't. I thought it was Ashton. Ashton Kutcher. Oh, but okay, so
2: Ashton came. Ashton came. Um, he was. He didn't play the. He didn't play the character of Charlie Harper, but he did take over his position. Charlie, what's the answer?
1: Oh, I was going to say Ashton could you also. No, like,
2: actually, this again. It's not a trick question exactly because I said uh-huh. who, who portrayed the character. It was actually Kathy Bates. Oh. It was a hallucination <laughs> to Alan, the other person, and he was trapped inside of a woman's party. That was a little bit tricky. The other two oh were
1: going to be... Oh, my
2: gosh. Like, uh,
1: oh, yeah, okay. You get to keep the suntan. Yeah. T- yeah,
2: yeah. You know, I'll tell out. you what. The next question will be a little easier for us people. All right. For, for us people over 20 years old. Okay. All right. Uh, Jillian, you want to tell us a story?
3: Well, yeah. So, the other day, it was just so funny. You were saying about, you know, if they're going to give out these this relief money, then the money should go to pay for essentials and for needs. And I had a client um, on Facebook the other day, have a picture and the picture was of television boxes. And what they said was they could not evict this tenant who was in their unit, even though they had gone to the judge several times, they couldn't get the tenant evicted. And the, tenant themselves actually just ended up leaving you know because they moved on or what have you but they owed my client $8000 and what they had left behind were television boxes like these people had spent all their stimulus money on TVs movies. and nonsense and not paying their rent well, that they owed $8000 but TV
2: is essential <laughs> if you're if you're in lockdown right okay <laughs> all all right.
1: Right. <laughs> Let me, let me add to Jillian's, because one time I was doing a, a due diligence property inspection on one of the properties. I walked into this one bedroom apartment, and it was a C class property, and I saw the biggest television mm-hmm. I've ever seen in my life. Yes. And I looked at it, like, holy cow, I don't even have a TV yeah. that's. And the yeah. property manager said something that I will never forget. She said, Well, you know what they say uh, poor people have big TVs, and rich people have big libraries.
2: Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, that is well nowadays you get everything on your phone, but I get the point though. Yeah, know, yeah. That's that's really good. I remember one time I had a a property over in Oakland, I kind of took it over uh for somebody and the, the uh the previous seller had said, Oh, by the way, this person hasn't paid rent for like nine months. And I okay, so we get in there. I get in my my offsite manager, and they get in there, and and the, she doesn't pay, doesn't pay, and sure enough, we start the eviction process, and it goes a few month, more months, and then it finally gets in front of the uh, judge uh, in Oakland, and uh, the judge, you know, and then the, and the uh, tenant shows up, and then the judge says, um, excuse me, uh, tenant, why uh, why haven't you paid the rent? Just eh, I just don't have the money. I don't have any complaints against the landlord. I just don't have the money. And the judge says, okay, you can stay for free for three more months, but then you really, really, really are going to have to leave. Can you believe that? <laughs> and it's a good thing I wasn't in the courtroom. I can I would have said that to the judge, you know what? You pay your rent then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy. That's that, That's like a violation of the takings clause. Yeah. Institutions uh, for crying out loud yeah. the government. Just do those things.
2: No, Hey, so, uh, okay, so I've got some notes here that were given to me. Um, mm-hmm. So you got a couple things here. The five secrets to finding money and deals even when you think you can't and how to structure your multifamily deal. Take it away.
3: Well, the first the first thing is is that you really have to understand that raising money is 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 a business in and it of itself. It's a business within your business, and you have to treat it as such. So, the first thing you absolutely positively must do is figure out what system you're going to use in order to raise capital. You know, we we learn uh, very early on in our careers that. You have to, if, or as entrepreneurs, your business needs to be run on a system or else you're going to fail, right? E-myth, traction, all the books we read teach us this. Definitely. Raising money is no different. So the first thing you really need to do is figure out the system that you're going to use in order to raise capital.
2: Yeah. Okay, you're talking about like a fund or a joint venture type of thing or
3: not so much that. That's part of the system, right? But okay. really, like, what is going to be your approach? What is going to be your investment story? How are you going to get that investment story out there? What is what is it that you want to be to the world, To to a world of investors? Okay. And it's just like, what would you want to be to your customers? Who do you want to be to your customers? It's the same thing as, what do you want to be to your investors? And then how are you going to take them in? What methods are you going to use? And then how are you going to treat them so that they come back to invest over and over and over again?
2: Gotcha. And, and you gotta you gotta have your your system in place. You know, this is gonna be the manager, the offsite manager, the accountant, the attorney, et cetera. Yeah.
3: Exactly. And then not only that, but then a, a huge thing that I always find people screw up, right? Mm-hmm. Is that they say Oh, I want to. I want to uh, raise capital, and this is what I'm going to offer investors. And then they take in the money, and they don't have any system for reporting back to the investors. They haven't set expectations mm-hmm. appropriately for the investors. Like for example, they just say, "You know, call me whenever you want." And then the next thing you know, they get a thousand from a thousand different investors on a thousand different days and they're not actually getting any work done. Whereas you want to set that system out in advance. Like I want I will be doing a quarterly report to all of my investors via Zoom on the fifteenth day after the end of the quarter. Now do you, you know, also, stuff do you, like that?
2: Do you set up just strictly equity or do you also set up uh, maybe subordinate financing?
3: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you can do anything you want, really. I know that sounds um, really flippy floppy but yeah, you yeah, yeah. really can do what you can do whatever you want the issue is that have you really considered what your business is and how you're going to put that out there and what the perception by the investor is going to be and what the banks going to allow you to do so yeah. like charlie and i just did a webinar the other day actually about your capital stack and i i just straight out said Most of the time, you're not going to do some kind of debt fund. It's simply not going to work because the the bank isn't going to allow it.
1: And and just, Edward, uh, the thing is, when you look at a property, there are two questions you have to ask whenever you're looking at properties. Uh, How am I going to get the deal financed? And what's my exit strategy? And that's going to have a a, a really set you down different paths right away as to how you're going to do it. And so, you know, you ask the question, is it debt? Is is it equity? Or is it a combination of the two? You know, that's what we do with our clients is we help them answer that question. We help them come up with the ideas to structure the deal so that it'll it'll get past the the starting gate line. And then they're off to the races after
2: that. Okay, when we come back from break, I want to ask you about cap rates that you're seeing uh what kind of rate of return clients should expect you know that sort of thing and, you know based on the different kind of properties all right here's our second trivia question based on uh tv what tv show was famous for the catchphrase miss it by that much missed it by that much oh, I, I know yeah i, know. I knew See, i had to I figure a softball
1: question there. Like, to- jillian doesn't know jillian doesn't oh, know come on
2: Oh, no. Well, she's it's only, cool. what, how old are you? Twenty-what? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs>
3: All
2: right, I'm going to ask him one more time. What TV show is famous for the catchphrase, missed it by that much? Not bad, huh? Okay. No. All right, here, I'll give you another hint. He used to say in a cartoon, come along, Tumley, let's go see Mr. Whoopi. All right. Okay. okay. Not 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 that, good, that, huh? not, Call 89121190. 1st caller with the correct answer wins that tanning certificate. We always have to have fun here on The Best of Investing because it's like a bunch of guys sitting around a bar having drinks without the drink, talking business, and the audience listening in. Audience, stay tuned. We're going to be right back.
0: You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown.
2: Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Jillian and Charles, or Charlie, as we say. All right, here's our second trivia question. What TV show was famous for the catchphrase, missed it by that much? Charlie, what's the answer? Get smart. Get smart. That's right. Very good. good. I'm so
3: by the way you said it. That's right. I've yeah, that like never seen an episode of Get Smart. Oh, but see, I told you, you're too young for that.
2: Don you know? <laughs> Adams. Okay, so um, when you're putting these, uh, I'll call it a syndication for all, all intents and purposes. Um, generally speaking, I kind of figured that the you know the C-class apartments are going to give uh, uh, have a higher cap rate than the A units, but uh, what kind of cap rates? First of all, where what, what is your market? Because Charlie, you're actually in the East coast. Yeah. Uh, what What are you guys doing around the country or are you? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. all, yeah, our clients are all over the country.
1: So we have a pretty good understanding of what's going on around the market, all the different marketplaces, uh, the primary markets, the secondary and the tertiary markets. I'm, so-
3: I'm invested all over. I, I just invested in a deal in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Um, I mean, I personally, I stopped actually counting because I I do most of my investments passively. But I'm invested as a passive investor in over 4,000 multifamily units. And then I have other real estate investments as well. And you just really, to me, um, you just have to know where and what you're investing in. Uh, And so one thing I have stayed away from are the syndications that focus on C-class properties I will invest in a fund that might have some C-class properties in them. But personally, there's just, to me, it's not my risk tolerance. It's just too risky for me. I've personally owned C-class properties before. I've made money in C-class properties, but it's just not for me. Um, And that doesn't mean it's not for somebody else. I have one client who has like Goldman Sachs investing with him in C-class properties. So so it's not that it can't be done and it can't be done well. It's just not my particular flavor.
2: We call it scratching dent. Yeah. 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 In fact, we, I started a fund with uh, Mark, uh, one of my main co-hosts on the show, uh, called the Pacific Southwest Note Fund. And what we're doing is buying discounted seller carryback uh, notes, primarily in Texas. And, oh, wow. Yeah, it's very, very specialized. And the returns yeah. that we're getting, we're actually, uh, with, with this fund that we put together, the minimum preferred return is 9% with a target of 12 and uh, two months ago we paid 12.3 because wow. we're yeah, That's very very and the And the best part is even though these are like you would consider for the most part most of the properties C properties not a single person has asked for a deferment it's a whole different world in Texas than it is in other places okay. it, so it's so it's, yeah it's got its pluses and minuses you know I don't but, know. Yep, you know, yep. you're talking about cap rates,
1: Edward, and uh you know, I, I have a joke that um and julie was talking about C class. I, I have a joke that I have a bumper sticker on my car that says life is too short to own C class property. And <laughs> when I say that, one of my clients like gets all wigged out I made millions on C class parts Why do you say that? And I was like, Yeah, I know. It's just it you have to understand what your investment strategy is. Yeah. And why don't you talk about Texas? I, I owned a bunch of properties in Texas and uh Texas is a unique breed, man. I'll tell you. It it, it, it is. You can evict someone in Texas in 12 days. Yes. And it's so inexpensive lawyers don't even do it because there's no money in it. Exactly. And, but the thing is, I'll tell you Edward, every every appliance I owned in
2: Texas had legs on it. Yeah. <laughs> Man, a that's a I like that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah, it kind of depends. Uh, now here's the difference though, is we're buying seller carry back notes, so yeah. people are not renting. These people yeah. own the houses. Mm. And generally speaking, you know, they'll it take care of it for the most you part. You own yeah. the notes, yeah. That's a sweet deal. Yeah. I mean, but again, here's here's the 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 barrier of entry though is huge because it costs us a fortune to uh, solicit from the s- sellers who have the, the notes. Mm-hmm. It's very, very expensive. So we're setting up this fund. We're, we're paying it as the management company, not the investor. And then we just hope to grow it to maybe $100 million or so. You know, uh, In fact, it's so funny because we actually have a waiting list because the, the it's easy for me to raise $100,000 in, in a blink of an eye from clients. I mean, we, it took me, I don't know, three days to raise $2 million, right? The problem is these notes we're buying are 40000 and 50000 And so it takes a lot of notes to, to eat up that money. So we actually have like $3 million worth in the queue where I told people, I said, listen, I'll call you when we need your money, but it's not going to be for at least two months. Just the nature of the beast, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. So <laughs> although I did talk about it. Um, okay. So, how, here, in fact, it's here's a question that was given to me by um, uh, by Miss Kane, um, who got you guys on the show. How to ask for seller financing? So that's kind of a, that. You know, that's uh, I assume are you are you talking about how to ask for a first or a second?
1: Well, no, the first is easy. Obviously, you get your, 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 you're going to your, get
2: you're going to get bank financing
1: right. Here's you, the way you have to ask for seller financing when you're dealing with multifamily. You're going to say something just very innocuous to the broker is the seller willing to get creative period. And then just shut up. You never ask for a second mortgage. You ask for seller financing, but it's never in the form of a second mortgage because you, my number one rule is you must always remain in control of the deal. And if you ask for a second mortgage and the seller says yes, and you, you, you uh, bake it into the uh, purchase and sale contract, and then you go through the whole entire process. You're two weeks from close yeah. and the bank says, okay, we're ready to go. we got it all set. But hey, we read the purchase and sale contract and there's something in there about a second mortgage. And you're like, hey, yeah, isn't that great? The seller's going to kick in 5%. That's fantastic, but we don't allow a second mortgage. Yeah. So now two weeks before the close – you're 5% short on the purchase, and you have to go back to the seller. Your money is hard. You yeah. have to go back to the seller and renegotiate the terms. Who's got control of the deal then, Edward? The, the, uh, the seller. seller. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So what you do is you ask for seller financing in a form that is satisfactory to the lender, period. Seller says, well, what does that mean? Yeah. Un-
2: Unrecorded?
1: I don't know. Yeah, maybe unrecorded. Maybe we're going to create a a special class within the LLC that owns the structure that looks, acts, and feels like a second mortgage, but we can't call it a second mortgage. We can't give you any foreclosure rights behind the primary lender. That's why they don't allow it, and that's why you can't can't get yourself in the hole. That's why I said— the, one of the first two questions you ask when you're looking at a property is, how do I get this deal financed? And that's one of the ways you have to think about now.
2: before. That, we- that is very good. Hey, tell you what, we're going to cut to our uh, break, but that, that's, I like that. That's very good. All right, here's our third trivia question. Which few, This one actually is kind of hard. Which future musical superstar once appeared as one of Rudy's friends on The Cosby Show? So you have to go back to the 80s for the Bill Cosby Show. Remember that? Uh, call 888 mm-hmm. Okay, who who which future musical superstar was once once appeared as a as one of Rudy's friends. Remember Rudy was a little girl, she was 4 years old at the time. Yeah. All right? Call 888-912-1190. Stay with us. You're listening to the Best of Investing. We're going to be right back.
0: For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. The Best of Investing will continue in a moment on 860 a.m. The answer Now, back to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer.
2: Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Edward Brown here along with Jillian and Charlie. Uh, Which future musical superstar once appeared as one of Rudy's friends on The Cosby Show? That was our trivia question.
3: Was it a guy or a girl?
2: Uh, It was a girl. And she actually sat on Bill Cosby's lap uh, back in the 80s.
3: Oh,
2: uh, okay. I'll give it to you. Alicia, yeah, Key. Okay. Alicia Key. Alicia Keys.
3: I was going to guess Alicia oh. Key. Oh,
2: well, Jillian, we will give you credit.
1: Actually, I, that's a, that's I said it. I, I said it before you guys answered I, I, Oh, no. man. I, well, I just
3: kept thinking it's got to be somebody that's my age because yeah. Ruby, I remember, was my age. Oh, okay.
2: So, yeah. Well, you yeah. are you a are youngster, aren't you? You were four <laughs> during the Cosby show? Holy cow. Yeah. I'm I, yeah, excited. That's pretty amazing. Okay. Uh, Jillian, question for you: Rates of return. Generally speaking, when you're looking at these apartment deals, what kind of rates of return are you trying to to gun for, uh, depending upon the class of the uh, apartments?
3: I'm not really. You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for risk versus reward, right? Ah, okay. So, yeah. So, so the rate of return. What I always get this question, and yeah. and it's it's a trick question. Because if your risk is higher, your return should be higher. So, for example, um, I'm, I'm looking into doing a ground-up construction uh, investment here soon. And, and the risk for the, a ground of construction is obviously a lot higher than just buying like a class A property outright. Sure. So my return has got to be higher for that particular property. So to, just to say what returns are you looking for isn't really the right
2: question. Oh, okay. So let's put it this way for class A apartments, mm-hmm. multifamily, um, what, kind of, uh, what kind of cap rate are you looking at and what kind of rate of return? Uh, are you looking for cash on cash?
3: Well, again, it's it goes it goes back to um it goes back to the the market. Like if you buy something in in a urban market, although again, Covid might change a lot of this. you got up in San Francisco, we're already seeing those changes happen because you know businesses such as Facebook are saying, you don't got to live here no more, yeah. and you you can move on out, and and so we might see this huge flight from. Uh, urban areas, even in a A class properties. But with that being said, I mean, I've seen properties that have done quite well, that are only a 6% return on investment. And why is that? It was because it was completely leased up. It's a brand new class A property. So it's really just about a matter of are you selling the story to the investors appropriately? Because at the end of the day, I could say to you, Hey, Edward, I've got a deal for you. 15% 15% return on investment, you're going to make loads of cash. That means nothing. That means nothing. You don't know anything from when I say that. Sure. So you sure. really need the story of the investment and then the returns. Well, are- a, big, a big part of that
2: too is, you know, when you look at like gross rent multiplier, you know, that'll that'll kind of tell you like what your expenses are and what kind of growth you're looking at. You'll, you, you'll be very, Jillian, where are you located?
3: I'm in Southern California.
2: Okay, so you, you'll appreciate this. In Northern California, when at the heat of the market a couple of years ago, if you, if you guys, you guys will be amazed at this. Someone bought an apartment building at a cap rate of 1.3. And I'm yeah. Not, yeah. I, I, I'm looking at that and I'm going, you know what? And, and I, I go, you know what? I'll buy that all day long if the bank will lend me the money at 0.2% interest, you know? 30 I mean, <laughs> so year fully am.
1: <laughs> I've heard that about California. I mean, I, we see different cap rates, different types of properties all over the country. Huh. And But I've heard horror stories like that one where huh. people say that they're actually buying properties at a zero cap rate huh. just to get their money out of like China in
2: the
1: United States. They don't care. They just want to, we'll pay anything for it. So I've seen some offering memorandums from some brokers where the only way you can get the debt coverage number to work is by putting 50% down. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's just crazy.
2: And they're raising the the debt. Service coverage ratio. You know, it was at one point it was one and one point one, one point two five. At uh, one point three five seems to be kind of the, the you know it's about the, It depends, on, I guess, on the property and the bank, but about one point three five is kind of.
1: Well, is, you know, the thing yeah. is, you're looking at, like Julian was talking
2: about. It depends upon
1: the the asset and you know yeah. what your is. I say that the debt, depending upon the class of asset, it, the debt coverage ratio is a dynamic number. You know, you should never buy a a, a, um, a C-class property with a debt coverage ratio less than 1.6. The debt coverage ratio is your sleep number. It helps you sleep at night. If you go out there and you buy a C-class property with a 1.25 debt coverage ratio, you
2: you are squirming every single night. Well, and and the thing is a lot of banks are using a a debt yield ratio, which is different because um, what it basically talks about is if the bank gets it back, What's their rate of return going to be on that? I've written some articles on this stuff. I'll share it with you guys later. Yeah, audience, yeah. I, don't know, I don't want to bore the audience with all this technical stuff. Um, so I've got a couple of quick questions here for you. So yeah, Edward, um, Edward, yeah go no, ahead.
1: We don't do technical stuff here.
2: Well, Our audience is very sophisticated. I want you to know. well, Very, very, very sophisticated. Yes. So um, let's see here. Uh, okay. Okay. Find out about private money. If it's available, it's kind of weird. Find out how private money is available to you like never before. And if you structure your deal the right way, what is the right way to structure a deal? Uh, How best do you guys like to structure deals?
3: Okay. Well, it's, it's, again, when you're looking at a deal, you got to look at the deal first and then you're and as a sponsor for the deal you have to look at yourself second and this is how i always tell people to to work this out you start with what the deal's going to make and then you back out what you need to make in order to make you happy because here's the thing if as a sponsor yeah if you're not happy if you're not sufficiently financially motivated, no one's going to be happy because exactly. you're just not going to be sufficiently motivated. It's, it's just, totally. you could say, I'll do it for free. I'll work for free. It's crap. It's that's
2: nobody, not, Everybody was that.
3: No, you just won't. You'll, you'll psychologically, you'll just, you're just going to self-sabotage. So
2: don't. Exactly. So now yeah. you, because you guys are sophisticated, I'm, I'm a little surprised to hear that you are willing to, it sounds like you're also willing to invest in deals where you're, you know, call it a limited partner or a limited member in LLC, aren't you a little concerned that you can't control the deal, you know, once no. you're it? Yeah, you better know. Oh, that. oh yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Part of, the, part of your due diligence as an investor is to vet the sponsor. Yes. And to really feel comfortable with that person. I mean, that's really, and even for those of you doing sponsorships, you got to feel comfortable who your investors are. Yes. Mm-hmm. It really, ways. Meeting, you
3: know, it really does. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I but mean, I
2: know. I know, like some realtors, when they're selling a house, if they find out that the buyer's an attorney, they'll try to figure out a way to not ruin the deal because they, they 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 just they're buying a lawsuit so many times. If they get to know who the attorney, not all attorneys, of course, but certain ones, unfortunately, few bad apples have really kind of cost uh, uh, people a bunch of money, you know. <laughs>
3: Oh, you yeah,, know, know. absolutely. and like that's the risk you take though so so what's the trade off? I don't have to be down at a job site every day, true, you know uh, I, I get to lean on the person who is their boost on the ground, and I get to go off and do other things, you know yes. it's again risk reward yeah, yeah. And, what, and what I tell my clients who get all nervous about what to offer their investors and they don't want to look greedy, what mm-hmm. I say to them is, you know your investors you have to You must, you must be so careful with your investors' money and treat it better than you would treat your own money. Agreed. Um, I want to preface with that. But the second thing you have to remember is that your investors can always get more money, but you cannot get more time. So the time you're spending building this deal up and making it happen is more valuable than the money that they're putting in.
2: Excellent point. Hey, stay with us. The Best of Investing. We'll be right back for some closing comments.
0: You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown.
2: Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Jillian and Charlie. Uh, No trivia question, but uh, Charlie, uh, you were just starting to talk off the air and I wanted you to start talking on the air about it, yeah. you know, Betting clients. And, Sorry,
1: Edward, Edward, I've already forgotten what I was talking about. When we broke last time, I was saying that you've got to vet, the, you know, as a sponsor, you've got to vet your investors and as investors, you've got to uh, vet your sponsors. And the way you vet your sponsors is by make sure you read the operating agreement of the Deal, And that is once because once everything is consummated and everything's done, that operating agreement is what's going to govern over the whole entire company. So you've got to read it and especially look to see how much control do you have and the other limited partners and how much control does the sponsor have and under what circumstances can that shift. And so that's one of the, the biggest things. And I've seen three GPs, three people in one, one group, one guy wrote this, wrote, wrote the deal. Everyone else signed off on it. They didn't read it. And that guy screwed the other
2: two over by keeping more than 51% of the deal. He uh-huh. was, in yeah, it was terrible. I couldn't believe it. And yeah, my, so my dad actually died in the office of a heart attack because of a deal that it were the same sort of thing where he was a general partner. The other two were general partners together and they, they screwed him and screwed all the clients. I and mean, he literally, yeah. I mean, he died, you know, at age 53, because of the stress. So it, it's re, it's really tough. How often do you see a situation where, you know, the operating agreement looks really good from the investor standpoint, but the general partners or, or uh, managing members of an LLC don't follow it? Oh, oh, all the time.
1: All the oh, time. That's, that's one of the biggest problems is you don't see and you go back as an LP and say, hey, you guys are supposed to report to us this stuff. We're supposed to have a vote. We're supposed to yeah. have an interview. And they, they don't even comply with any of that stuff. That's that's just bad
2: business. So then, what do you do? You get a um, usually the what the, the operating agreement or the bylaws or something will say you have to get what two thirds vote or something to vote no. the general partner out. Yeah, would,
3: yeah, usually what you know what we used to put in okay. our operating agreements was seventy five percent for cause. For so cause, you made yeah. it very difficult.
2: Yeah, because yeah. you don't want any willy nilly someone feel oh, I could run this thing better than you guys. You yeah, because sometimes right. it's just a matter of circumstances rather than ill ill intent yeah and yeah. The thing is to remember all the investors signed up with that one guy Yeah, so, exactly. You know,
1: everyone put their faith in him and then some rogue lp thinks he's going to
2: outvote everybody that that's not what why yeah. you, things are set up the way they are Wow, yeah. that's pretty challenging uh, uh, i don't want to end us on that we got about another minute before we have to cut out let's have some happy stories give me some happy Please. stories <laughs> Jillian's got
1: uh, Jillian can t- tell you about our upcoming seminar. Yes.
3: Oh yeah. I I almost forgot. I was having such a good time. I almost forgot. What's we up? Okay, so so the d- the deal is this, Edward. Charlie and I honestly believe like there's a major shift in the market happening. We're already seeing it. We started off talking about it with how, you know, we're looking at these rent rolls that are are just out of control. So, what does that mean for your listener? It means that there is going to be a ton of opportunity out there. Yes, and we 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 want to be ready to take advantage of that. And the way you can be ready to take advantage of that is to A know which markets to get into, when to get into them. B, know how to raise money and know where to raise the money fra- from. Right. And C, have a crystal ball. <laughs> so our event is all about creating and deploying the crystal ball. We want you to come to our event to okay. get your crystal ball and to figure out what market am I going to be in? How am I going to raise the capital? Where we am have, I going to get We have 15, 15 seconds. Tell us, what is this event? online. If shifts happen shifts happen dot online <laughs> shifts happen dot online is where you can find it so uh, we hope to see you all there
2: wow well charlie and jillian it's been an absolute pleasure you guys did great radio and we'll Thank definitely you. have to have you on again <laughs> which is just love it
1: Thank Thank you. You. thanks for having us edward
2: absolutely hey so before you go you got to hear usually we have thoughts for the day this time we have puns for the day because we're so punny around here okay i wondered why the baseball was getting bigger then it hit me oh (laughs) ah, there you go i I knew we'd catch you on that one what what do you call a piece of toast at the zoo What what do you call a piece of toast at the zoo bread in captivity
0: And join us again next week for the best of investing on 860 AM.